Did you die? No, I'm trying to figure something out. When I figure something I out, add something, add something in. I hope you didn't die. Gotta find some music that YouTube won't copyright me for. Oh, come on, that's not what I want to be playing. And welcome back to this week's episode, uh, podcast, Anime for All. We are reviewing this week, uh, specifically Shaman King episodes 7 and 8. Episode 7 and 8 of Shaman King. Uh, we will be returning back next week to My Hero because apparently episode, uh, July 10th is the new episode coming out. Just uh, I update everybody on that, especially Jocks, because he's probably wondering when it's going to come back. Um, My name isn't paralyzed. Did you just say Jocks? Jock. Sorry. Oh my gosh, Jacques. How many? Does your name many... have an S in it? Why is it? Never mind. I'm not gonna get into. My name has a silent Q U E S. Basically, all the pronunciation is J A C. Jacques. That was a mispronunciation. My bad. Calm down. Oh my gosh. How long have you known me, and you still can't pronounce my name? Moving on, because I'm gonna I'm digging myself a hole here. <laughs> but uh. With that, uh, not much going on in the um, in the analytics for this podcast. Still grateful that people are watching. We're still hanging on those three uh, followers we got. So uh, I guess with, without further ado, we're going to jump into episode seven of Shaman King. National uh, Bikini Day is trending on Twitter, but I haven't seen a single picture of, of uh, Froppy yet. Give it a minute. I mean, if we get famous enough, you can force anybody. Well, I force to, uh, suggest anybody, uh, suggest that to anybody, and I'll probably get you some fan art. But, uh. Would she um, need a frog? Would she need a bikini? Can she swim in salt water? I mean, she's a humanoid frog. If she can't get cold because frogs can't get cold, then she shouldn't be able to swim in salt water either. But we saw her swimming it right in that uh, episode with uh, where she was doing her uh, internship. No, I don't think she touched the water. Oh, she didn't. I don't think she did. That must be kind of scary, though, if you're a frog and you can't touch the water and you're surrounded by it. it seems kind of compromising. She, I mean, her her temperature just can't drop. Is what she specifically said. I don't think salt water drop her temperature that fast or that badly. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about if, my hero, we're talking about Shamaki. If she went up against Icy High, he would just make her cold and she'd be out. That's a pretty big weakness. I mean, That's only all. people would... Don't, only, but that, as long as she doesn't go against people who have the ability to lower her temperature, she should be fine. If you say so. I mean, okay. you're right. There's very few cold quirks... And like just billions and billions of hot quirks. So like fire quirks are everywhere, but cold quirks, there's only like the one or two. I thought we were gonna talk about Shaman King. 
You're the one that brought Froppy fan art when I found him. We brought a Froppy. I was trying to bring us back on the rail, and you freaking derailed us and kept well, derailing would us. Please, would you please get us back online, please? I've already muted Jock, so here we go. Episode 7 <laughs> uh, Dang it, Shaman King. Uh, <laughs> I think to bring us, because we haven't reviewed this in three weeks. Yeah, three weeks sounds right. Um, we're coming off the win of uh, Yo and against Hero, I believe, is what we're coming off of. Wait, or is that the last fight he had? I think that was the last fight he had. Um, and we get a warning that Yo should not fight the next person. Um, his name is Faust. And they warn us, saying that, you know, someone his last fight got killed. So, so that's the thing. We come back, and Anna is having a conversation in a dinner, it looks like, with uh, Yo's um, coach. I guess the best way to put him is Native American co uh, coach. Um, we also learn, uh, well, we're learning more and more about this world, and we're also learning about necromancy in this episode, specifically because it has a lot to do with Faust. Um, and if anybody's probably wondering exactly that, that why that sounds familiar, there is a very rooted, well, buried in history. There's in, in Germany, there's a guy whose last name was Faust. I forgot his, I think it's Joan, John, George Faust, I think is what his name is. They actually reference him here in the episode too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, You're talking about who he originally was? Well, not who he originally was, but I mean, there was a person in real life by that name. Um, and they both are in in the anime and in real life, both are uh, alchemists. And I think they mentioned that he also dealt with in real life. He also was a magician. I don't, I don't know. It was very. Johan uh, Georg Faust is the original, but this one is more um, linked to the uh, the fictional Faust because he's also like he's more of a legend than like a historical character. It's kind of like Robin Hood. Robin Hood was probably a real person, but. He's only tangentially related to the to the legend. Um, the uh, the one that we're looking at here is more like Christopher Marlowe's Faust, who sold his soul to the devil. So I feel like you're cheating with all this English teacher knowledge you got in the background, but we're gonna move on. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, see here, back to the episode. Well, it's just really cool because, like, it's really cool because, like, Faust, I, I immediately connected to Faust because of my DC knowledge, because there's a really powerful wizard in the DC universe called Felix Faust, and he was, like, really, really powerful, so I was like, that's interesting that, like, there's two powerful wizard characters, or kind of, like, you know, supernatural power-wielding characters that are related to Faust, because the other Faust was also necromatic. And uh, from the DC character, so I was curious if there was a connection between him and that one. And then I found, and then I looked up Faust, and I found out he's sort of like a legendary character in um, in history. And there was a real person, like a German legend, was based on a real person in the same way that Robin Hood was like probably a real person, but like you know the legend is different. Or like if there was a real King Arthur, like the one that you read about in the stories is like really really different than and an actual King King Arthur. But um, the other thing I was wondering is because when he first came on and they were talking about someone that had, like, raised hell in the uh, past and then he showed up with blue eyes and blonde hair, I thought at first that they were implying that it was, like, a Hitler youth. You know what I mean? Like, a, a child of Hitler or something like that. 
because he and his his uh, love were like both pure blue eyes, blonde hair, which is like the Aryan race that Hitler was trying to push forward. But um, Faust is like such a popular like myth that if you say Faustian, like that's a word that means sacrificing someone that sacrifices their spiritual values for power, knowledge, or material gain, which I thought was really cool. So, I don't know. I thought it was really cool that, like, and ironically, he was in, like, he was the uh, subject of a lot of puppet plays, too. Um, and I thought that was an interesting connection because he gets really ticked off when um, Yo calls calls what he's doing, like, a game, and he, he also references her as a puppet. So, you know what I mean? Playing games with puppets and a puppet play were kind of like an interesting little connection there. I don't know, like, how much of that is lost in translation or not, but I think that was really cool. But yeah, in the myth, like, he sells a soul, soul to the devil um, for additional power. Um, but it would make sense, you know what I mean? The, the reason I think it's more um, a reference to... Uh, to, Mar to uh, Christopher Marlowe's version is because the story that Christopher Mar Marlowe put together was Dr. Faustus as opposed in and the deserved death of Dr. Faustus which is uh, Dr. Jean Faustus which is a little bit different than the original person and also a little bit different than uh, because the original person was an alchemist astrologer and magician so it kind of fits that a little bit, but the other doctor is like literally a doctor. So I think that they were kind of playing into the literary Faust as opposed to the legendary or the actual person. But they all fall in about the same period based on how, how many hundreds of years ago they mentioned in the episode that we're talking about. Oh, uh, what happened? Sorry, what? <laughs> Which part? Sorry, no, I'm kidding. I was listening. I was, I was listening. I mean, very weird that you got on, and normally I'm the one take talking, so that was like that was nice. Um, I'm glad you <laughs> adding in that information that I didn't know, but uh, I mean there is some correlation. But what uh, see here, because I, I was looking through while you were talking, seeing because it seemed like uh, what you were saying was going along the lines. Um, they do bring up German Germany in general, yeah, that makes you think uh, of Hitler. There's a descendant of Hitler. Which granted, there are descendants living of uh, living descendants of Hitler to this day who aren't like that man, which is funny to believe. But I, I honestly could not be. I don't even think they have like. Yeah, I think they got rid of the last name Hitler too because of it. But um, they bring up the coach brings up uh, uh well, Silva brings up that is a man with blood and madness. He's he's just scaring Anna here, saying that. He should not be trying to fight this dude because of uh, essentially it's, it's, it's the whole theme that um, that this game that this, that this tournament is serious and some shamans are going to kill their shamans regardless of what the rules state uh, you, you sh that you can and should not do. Um, can I? Okay, before we get copyrighted again, come on, move group. Why is group Hamada on here? Seriously. Okay, but um, back to what I was saying. Um, they, they, they talk about all this. Yo and Yamada are waiting in the uh, cemetery, which I say I guess another historical thing is um, here they're waiting in the cemetery because it's going to be Faust's. Uh, it's going to be Faust is a battlefield that he's going to be that's going to be beneficial to him, which is really weird that 
they're playing to the opponent's strength versus playing with Yo's strength. But um, they bring up an interesting thing about that uh, about that cemetery that they're in is that um, Yo brings up the fact that it's so weird that all these you know graves are stacked with next to each other like this. I guess apparently in Japan or at least in the East they don't do cemeteries like this, but over here in the West we do. And I think it brings up that the I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds like it might have been the war uh, between America and Japan about uh, Pearl Harbor, maybe. Uh, granted, it's the 150 years. No, that's that's too that's too young. So never mind. It's definitely not the Pearl Harbor War. I don't know what war they're referring to that happened 150 years ago in uh, from this time period. But um, a lot of American people died, and uh, as a way to commemorate their um, their uh, lives, they changed up a piece of land and just put their graves next to each other like this. So there's a lot of like corpses and whatnot. Um, it's interesting that this probably plays in the landscape of Japan. The uh, in Japan, like golf is very popular in Japan, but. Land is so in demand in Japan because most of it is mountainous and it's not a lot of land to begin with that it's actually cheaper to fly to the United States to play golf and then go back than it is to like play golf in Japan. So to have like graveyards like we have in the United States where we have a lot of flat land and stuff like that, a lot of non-mountainous regions, um, is a completely different concept than it would be in Japan where... Um, where graveyards would be extremely expensive because, like, land in Japan is, like, very, very in demand. Actually, no, yeah. inter another interesting thing here, as as I was going through while you are talking, sorry, but, um, uh, they bring up an interesting thing that I guess apparently cremating a body is common. Apparently here they've just buried all the dead bodies of the, of the Americans that came to their land, which is intriguing. Because Yo was confused at why, uh, as they, they were buried, because apparently, I guess he didn't realize that you could also bury a dead body, but... Sure, when I granted we found out later, these are all skeletons that are underneath there, so they've been they've been dead for a long while. Granted, some of those bones should have been, like, more decayed than they were, but, eh, whatever. Um... Well, he seemed to be able to reform them if they got damaged, so there might be a certain level of reforming that he could even do to, to a decaying body. I mean, you saw that, like, his love he was able to take from a skeleton and bring all the way to, like, a human form. Well, I think he said, I think, I mean, from the way they made it sound like he still had her, he still had her, uh, body somewhere. But, um, I guess before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, yeah, let's see here, we gonna get his full name here real quick, because he's a, ne he's a necromancer that Yo's gonna be fighting this entire episode. What's his name? Mm -hmm. No, his last name is Faust. What's his first name? Crap, they don't give him his first name. I would like to point out his, uh, oh, Faust the, Faust the Eighth? Wait. Or is it Faust the V is five in Roman, Roman, uh, in Roman, uh, Yeah, it's Faust the Eighth. Okay, Faust the Eighth. So don't mm -hmm. give his first, they don't give his last name, or even if that's his last, um, even though in Japan, at least in the East, they, they usually speak with their first name first, but well, I'm not gonna dive into that. I guess as well as the intro's point. I have a weird question for you. You were talking about how it seems like it would be the war on in uh, Pearl Harbor. I don't. I, I backed out of it. I don't think it's the war on Pearl Harbor. It's some, it's some just, other it, war that could it's happen. It's interesting because the historical Jonathan Faust was 1480 to 1540. 
and they said that it was his father from 500 years ago, which could make it, you know, give or take, it could make it 2020, but it could also make it 2040. That's still only 100 years back, but it is weird that, like, they're saying that. Is it possible that this um, this show is, is set, like, a little ways in the future? No, this show is set uh, much uh, or not uh, earlier than it, because like the show came out in two thousand, so I'm pretty sure they're still in the two thousands here. There's no. I'm not saying. Is it is this show necessarily in the present time, or is it possible that the show takes place a little bit in the future? No, it's in present time. Okay. There's, 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 not, there's, there's not enough. Uh, you can tell with for architecture, it's not enough. J- Japan and Japan in this anime is nowhere near like the, uh, the the level of technology that um it would need to be if it was placed in 2020. Because I've seen other anime. Um, there's another anime. I hate to bring other anime into this, but just to give a comparison, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if I can even compare these two. But it's the it's the most I can think of right now. Um, there's a there's a show called A Certain Scientific Railgun, and um, is a there's basically psychics in that show but what i want to bring attention to some people probably wouldn't know what i'm talking about here is that um there are a lot of skyscrapers and stuff like that and even like magnet trains as far as i can tell based on what i remember about when the show would have would have been would have been made um another stereotype not stereotype, but another trope that they would have been using is uh a lot of places are walk or walking distance they wouldn't necessarily need to use a train and i'm saying there's no trains here but it's not as like um, there's way more nature here than there would normally be in a place that possibly is like very industrialized. Now, granted, we've seen the city uh, several episodes before, so I'm certain that it can't be because I that they would there were way more just, things have been more futuristic, in my opinion. There would have been way more magnet trains, there were way more cars than that we've seen. Like it's it'd be ridiculous because like I mean it's a, it, like when it comes to anime japan likes to place you know tokyo and everything like that so far ahead of technology was i mean granted they are but at the same time it's like they like they like to display this a little bit differently here it's like you can it's a i mean granted, a lot yamada's going to cram school when the, when the series starts you don't mm-hmm. hear that word for um you don't hear that word nowadays you just don't and i remember specifically that uh that was like used a lot in anime back um when this would have been uh new so there's a lot of things that I th- that they're uh, purposely using that I don't think they changed on purpose. I don't think that there was any. I'm googling right now. I can't find a single battle where U.S. soldiers die in Japan that's not World War II. Well, that's not Pearl Harbor, right? That's just the World War II that happened. Pearl Harbor is World War II. Pearl Harbor is when you, the U.S. joined World War II. Before that, they didn't want us. U.S. didn't was really reluctant to join World War II, and it was it didn't oh, join what, for what a year? Long time. What year was what, 1942? 150 years in the future. I put that. Japan was on the side of Hitler in the World War II. They were they were allies, and uh, China was one of our allies. That's funny, but uh, let's see. Nineteen forty would one hundred and fifty years would place that in like. There's no other. So for it to be one hundred fifty years ago, it would have to be like twenty ninety. 
And then another reference that might support that is that um, oh, Manto's uh, father owns a company that is involved in energy research. Which would be another like technological reference. The the ante to this would be like the hospital where he's sitting in there and they have like a tea kettle and the plane that looks very like modern that's flying overhead. But according to this, the shaman fight that's happening, Shaman King is happening in two thousand. How do you know that? I looked it up. Okay. I was afraid to look anything up for spoilers. Then I, well, that I'll wasn't back a spoiler. I mean, I don't think they were going to reveal whatever year. Because I think in any anime, they go with the year 20XX anyway. Just I think, think they still have to go with... I still. I think that it's just a mistranslation or an inaccuracy in, in the... Like a plot hole in the narrative then. Because the only time... Unless they reveal something more in the future. The only time U.S. Well, soldiers... Another thing I want to... I want to also say is that... We're basing, we're basing this off like... This world that they're in is, is Earth. That at least our Earth and events happen the same way that they happen here. I'm pretty sure that's probably not the case, because like um, based on all the knowledge prior, they make a big deal that shamans have been around for a long time. And I don't even think I know that I know that there are people who, who practice shamans, but I don't think there are as many shamans today as they appear to be here. So like the world is a fiction is a fictitious representation anyway, and they probably took a lot of liberties whatever war happened because they don't even they don't even specifically state what war that was yama just brings up the fact that americans came over and died in the war he doesn't even call it a like whatever war it was i think there's right. a, I, th I think we're just taking too much stock into it this isn't as far as i'm aware shaman king does not it's not it's not a, a an offshoot of our world like my hero is um so i think it's another thing too and another thing too this show does like i mean shows like this Stereotypically, don't um, they just they um, they don't give a year. They just go with twenty XX saying, "Okay, it's happening within somewhere for our time period." I'm pretty sure, like whatever it is, I don't really think I think the small details don't really truly matter because they're not going to come up. I don't think mm -hmm. they will in the future. That war didn't seem like it was that important. I mean, Yamada's kind of mentioned it uh, in passing that that it happened, and he was just explaining to Yo that this is. This is the ending result. Um, I guess talking about Faust, it's kind of weird when he first shows up. You, they make Faust seem like such a um, sound like such a dick. Um, funny later on that is true. When he first shows up, he comes off really nice and polite. It's actually really it's um kind of jarring when you see what he's really like. But uh. But yeah, he like he comes off as a nice dude. He has the blonde hair and the blue eyes. He's also got the bags under his eyes too, as he doesn't sleep. He's mm -hmm. a son, looks like he doesn't sleep. But um, but one thing of that yo was like as he's talking with Faust, Amitamara shows up saying that he's he's reeking of death. Uh, the moment he says that, the things change really fast. Uh, he also mentioned he used to be a doctor. I don't know if that's a translation or not, but I'm gonna go off the fact he's not a doctor anymore because he is a necromancer or a necromantic shaman. Um, I guess you could compare him to a plague doctor too, but uh, he doesn't have the mask that the plague doctors have. Uh, 
um, he, goes on, he goes on his own spiel about like how hateful death is and like why humans, why humans are born to die. And, like it's just uh, he's going on his like whole philosophy thing. You can definitely see that death has affected him in some way. Up to this point, you don't know how, but death has affected him profoundly. Um, in a mm. negative way. And Yamada brings up Faust the A, who's a genius scholar who descended of Faust. He's the descendant of Faust. He brings up an image of who this, uh, exactly 500 years ago, he took part in a shaman fight. But he was overconfident. And he did tore apart the very demon he summoned. Yeah, he overestimated his control over the demon. So I think the uh, I think the carefree like <laughs> I thought you'd be scary kind of stuff was just to keep him off balance because he he's heavily messing with him in the beginning when he's when he uh, kidnaps Manta and he um, he takes on Faust and everything else I think he's just basically um, he's trying to throw him off guard like he's which is a really good strategy against somebody like um, Yo because he. Uh, his strength is in his like personal serenity and like he, he throws him off there and then like he's kind of like off balance and then he starts um so he starts operating the on manta and that you know which is his first and only friend and that throws well, him off we, before that. we i guess before we get to that my question is his oversoul i i couldn't tell what it was unless it was the skeletons moving about mm-hmm and they bring up at the end of the like, like how he wins the fight. Spoilers, like, Yo loses, but um, they bring up the fact the only reason that Yo lost is because he couldn't keep Yo couldn't keep his oversoul, um, but Faust did, and I couldn't tell what his freaking oversoul was unless it was the skeletons. It was. It seemed to be Eliza. No, but she wasn't out. She was what? She wasn't out during during the operation. I don't think she is. I mean, I can't tell. This is a lot. All the skulls look the same. I don't know. He seemed like he was maybe a completely different type of shaman. So I wonder if the rules are different for him. Like, he didn't have to keep his oversoul. He just needed to have his power. No, not because the fight, the fight only, the, the fight only, the fight. He loses the fight. His oversoul just gets depleted. That's the that's the role. That's what every shaman has to. That's what every shaman has to abide by. Oh well, that's interesting. Then I don't know who's oversoul. I was assuming it was Eliza. But now that you say that, that I'm not as sure. That's what every shaman has to do because that's what that whole watch thing is for. It's keeping a watch on their furry curry or their shaman energy. Mm-hmm. But just because he's a necromantic, just because he's a necromancer, does not mean that he, because uh, he his 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 abilities are based on how much power he has too. I just don't know what I mean. I'm guessing his oversoul has to be the skeletons then. I mean, they also bring the fact that like uh, he he, he might have. No, she was out because she's the one holding the scythe. Well, not the scythe, but the um, the that butcher knife that he had. She was out, all right. Yeah, she was out. So it must have been her then. But what are the skeletons then? Like I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and now it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the other skeletons. I feel like, I mean, they bring up the fact, as you said before, as I cut you off there, um. He was trying to keep Yo off guard. He messed with Yo, uh, Manta because he wanted to make sure Yo was not was uh, was in his anger as he was attacking him. 
And another thing, we also see the first time Yo get really angry, gets sincerely angry with somebody. Um, normally, he's very carefree. He doesn't care. He doesn't ever spout his emotions. He doesn't mm-hmm. typically attack without, well, I mean, semi-plan. I mean, he, he's very carefree. He, you know, his his catchphrase is everything will work out. Normally, we um, he he, act, he acts very Ren Tao like here, but without the bloodlust. <laughs> What's that mean? Like, Yo doesn't want to kill. He just wants to protect his friend. He's trying to win this fight. Like he's he's being he's being really aggressive. Something that Yo is not up to this point not known to do. Yo never uh, acts on emotion too much. He usually has to keep his cool. Um, and, they, and they bring that up here. And also they bring up the reason why he's acting like this because Monta, as you brought up earlier, is his only fir- his first and only human friend he's ever had. Mainly because nobody wants to be friends with a guy who talks to dead people. Well, if I can talk for a long time for a second. Oh dear. The, um, there's been a pattern that's been building up in every single episode so far of... He comes in in the beginning, and he's not attached to anything. He's completely carefree. He seems like he's kind of a nomad, wandering from place to place, doesn't know anybody, doesn't care. Um, and he makes his first friend, and then he has his first wife show up. And then he gets a ghost guardian that's, like, attached to him that he becomes friends with and goes everywhere he goes. And then he ends up in a house, so he's, like, less of a wanderer. And then he gets a rival, you know, either Ren and Oversoul Basin, or, like, kind of Faust, because he got beaten by Faust, so he has, like, these kind of rivals now. And he um, he has good reasons to become Shaman King, you know, and he does, has good reasons specifically not to let um, Faust become Shaman King, and he wants to be Shaman King, which is different than good reasons. Like, he actually is like, I'm going to be Shaman King, because I want to be Shaman King, along with the reasons. Um... And, like, these are giving him, like, all these different things are giving him kind of weaknesses right now. Um, And they're kind of, like, attacking at his root, which is his serenity, that he walks around, like, kind of lazy with a pot shirt on, listening to music and kind of, like, being a a slacker that is just so good that he can afford to be a slacker. Suddenly, he's coming across all these people that are in his league, and he's starting to have all these things that have, like, motivated him to keep going. And, you know what I mean, to push himself and actually get out of his comfort zone. And then he meets somebody right off the bat who is the type of person that plays on that specific weakness. And he's, like, uprooted his serenity and messed with him and played on his emotions and, you know, hit on weaknesses he didn't realize he had because these are all new for him. And he's never, like, learned how to manage, like, feelings like this because he's never been really attached to anything. So... It was a really good character growth moment for this to happen when it did, because, like, not only is it playing on a weakness, but it's playing on a weakness that, like, the writers of the story probably want you to spend some time thinking about, you know what I mean? Which is, like, who he is is evolving and changing as all this happens. So I really like that they built that up. But it's it's been more of a build-up than just this episode, and it's more much more of a build-up than just Manta. He's actually, like... Every single episode, he's picked up a few people that he's either protecting, or he's um, he's teaming up with, you know what I mean, or partnering with, or whatever. Um, even people like Ryu, you know what I mean, is like still somebody that like he's kind of taken under his wing a little bit. Because the guy shows up and he's like, now I have superpowers, and I've never seen them before, and I can see ghosts and stuff like that. And 
now he's kind of like, oh, well, you know, well, come on in, then I guess you're one of us now, you know. And he's not just this person that's completely untethered anymore. He's got a, a reason to become more than he is, and he's got a reason to protect things, but it also means that he's got a purpose that makes him vulnerable in a way that he wasn't, so he's got to become stronger to compensate for that. I understand that, but I mean, Anna just didn't show up in his life. I mean, Anna was always there. I mean, for crying out loud, she was already set up to be his wife to begin with. Long time ago, before all this happened. Now, she I was, but she, for us, she's brought on the scene now. She's here, and she wasn't here. And even with Anna, he seems like he's like, oh, you. You know what I mean? But now he seems like he's slowly... I, I, I sense a plot line where he's like being shown to be more and more attached to her, especially in the next episode when, like, a potential rival lover comes in, you see all of a sudden how well-established Anna is as his, like, core relationship as opposed to somebody else that just wants him just as much but isn't quite the fit that Anna is. Yeah, I understand. I guess before I move on from his, Yo's character, I will, I mean, uh, let's see, what was I going to say here? Um... I mean, yeah, we saw a lot of parts of uh, Yo as a character that we didn't see before or didn't know about. I will say it plays on more of a sympathetic, at least on the, from the way I'm going to look at it, it's like, like Yo, like you, you couldn't really sympathize with Yo because Yo was a slacker, and you know, I mean, not that was he was he was a bad guy. We saw that he was a he's a decent dude. He just wants to live a decent life, which everybody wants to. That's nothing to laugh at or even poke fun at. But you also learn that uh, uh, growing up, being a kid who can see spirits was not easy. Which makes a lot of sense because kids can be cruel, and uh, it's just one of it's one of those small things you don't think about until they bring it up in the show that you know he had a rough he had a rough growing up, and because of that he became detached because he didn't want to feel anything or um, deal with the emotions that came attached to being ostracized, um, mm -hmm. being the fact that um, they bring later on that uh, Yo lives in a very big house of uh, people of shamans, but he's the only he's he's one of the last remaining shamans that are still active. Yeah, and at one point there was a uh, 171, I think it said. So like, Yo, Yo had a uh, Yo had a rough upbringing. He didn't want to be a shaman. He didn't want to be shaman king. He was forced into this life only to later on come to terms with that he wants to be shaman king because he wants to he wants to run his own life. He wants to do what he wants to do just for the sake of doing it. So like when um people in his life, as you said before, that came into his life um of their own free will, that uh. When they get hurt, he feels that he's responsible for them getting hurt, which we see later on. But I guess back to, before we get into that, um, the entire fight essentially concludes with Faust winning, but it's mainly because Faust was, had the upper hand, being um, wiser with his energy and uh, being a tiny bit smarter, you know, making sure that Yo was constantly off balance. Because Yo, the entire fight, was very emotional. Something that he hadn't shown for E. Uh, he hadn't shown this side of him in probably ever, and because of the, his mm -hmm. lack of because of his lack of attachment, he never had this side shown. So uh, when this comes up, I mean, everybody's wondering what's going on. I mean, Yamada, he's over there on the ground with a T-shirt surrounding his uh, his uh, open stomach. Uh, poor dude, that kid has gone a lot, and he only just wanted to have a friend. Like that is a. That is also weird, but I guess we'll see what happens to Yamada in the, in the future, because it seems like he's getting more of a prominent role here. 
the fact that he's even here and, and it's, it's one of it's one of the tipping points for Yo's anger. It kind of shows how much how important he is. But uh, you talk about like just uh, how people like them are, are, are you know, I mean it's kind of like being a witch back in the day. You know, like you you would be considered a demon because no one understood what you could do or why you could do the things you were able to do. Yeah, and I get the feeling that the word shaman isn't written in stone anyway. Um, I Like, the Native American guy is kind of a shaman, but then they have other names that they've kind of dropped for what these people do. Necromancer and... What was it? Witch or demon or something like that that other people mistook them for? So it sounds like shaman might be the true name, but it sounds like depends on where you go what people are actually using as the name. I mean, I think it, what it comes down to is what what your abilities do with the spirits, because Yo uses a dead spirit. He doesn't use like he doesn't use a physical body, like mm-hmm. uh, Ren's sister did. She used a puppet with a uh, with a with a um a talisman, which is common, I think, over there in that eastern part anyway for um, evil spirits. Right, uh, and his grandfather was using was. Using leaves and like transforming them to well, spirits. Shikigami is what their official Shikigami, term is. Yeah. Shikigami, but yeah, they're leaf spirits. But um, funny enough, they didn't show us what they look like, even though they're technically supposed to show us what they look like because they're like little people with leaves uh, above their head. It actually, they actually look really funny and cute. But I mean, hey, they, I guess they didn't want to show us that part for whatever reason. But um, but it's it's not just that. It's like the way they're perceived. I mean, I think the shaman. Hold on, let me just look to see what the general term shaman is, just so we have that to go off of. No, I'm I'm not saying that there's using the correct term or incorrect term. It's just I think that like this role of being a shaman has been like embedded in a lot of myth and like real and, and fictional spirituality and and le- legends and things like that. It goes back a long ways, obviously, since there's people who were doing it 500 years ago. And I just think that there's, in this universe, which is becoming increasingly well thought out, it seems like there are um, just a lot of truths and half-truths and and mistruths about what goes on here that, like, define how they're perceived, which is why sometimes they're seen as evil, sometimes they're seen as good. Even, even, um, even Yo himself, like, at the beginning of this, thought that a shaman was incapable of evil, which is obviously not true. Um, because we've seen plenty of fairly evil um, shamans. So, as a matter of fact, I'd say it's about 50-50 so far. So, even he is, like, misinformed about what a shaman is. Like, it seems to be something that, like, they're going to have to learn along the way. I don't think Yo is misinformed. I think Yo is just naive. Because, basically, what he, what, he was, what he was saying wasn't a truth. What he was saying is what he believed. Because he was told that if a, if, if a person could speak with spirits, they're not a bad guy. And so far, well, the that's what I that mean. Like the hearsay, like the, the the folk knowledge that he picked up is that all they're all good, but he grew up in like a center for this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There's, it was should have been full of information about good and evil ones and stuff like that. And he came out of that thinking, oh, they're all good. You know what I mean? And believing in the goodness in everybody, and I, I think he can't believe in that so much now. I know. I feel like a lot of this has to do with the fact that he was alone most of his life. Anyway, I feel like they bring that up that has something to do. A lot of what his what makes him yo is a lot of that. Why he and like why he came out of the whole concept with thinking that no shaman could be evil. 
So, so far, the only person that we know of that's evil is truly the evil shaman. Well, I mean, besides Faust himself here, because this guy's a dick. But, <laughs> but um, is uh, mm -hmm. Ren at this point, the guy who nearly killed him. Uh, as it's going on now, uh, Faust is now putting all his energy and strength into manifesting his wife. We find out who I originally thought was his sister, but apparently his wife. I don't know if that was a censorship thing or something else entirely. Oh, I know this man's a ne it's a necrophilia. Moving on, but um, mm. they also bring in the fact that like the reason why he can do this too and why Yo is incapable of defending is he had been spreading his uh, summoning energy throughout the fight, only using the minimum that it was necessary to um, have the skeletons walk about. Now he's forcing all the energy into his, I guess, Oversoul, which is his wife, who has this giant blade that is ridiculously powerful. Only because Yo can't defend him, defend himself with the Oversoul that he has, because it's very, uh... By this point of fight, Yo's Oversoul is just on the hilt of his blade. It's nowhere else. <laughs> Normally it's a giant orb of energy that is encapsulating his arm, and you see Amitamaro's face on it. But, um... Mm -hmm. But it's quite clear by this point of the fight that he, uh, Faust has got, um, got the upper hand. And, uh, Yola's still determined to defeat Faust. Like the anime protag that he is. This is where he brings up and starts messing with Faust's brain, or his emotional state, saying that he doesn't like playing with dolls, he's done with playing with dolls. Which in reality is kind of what she is, because she doesn't have... From what I can understand, what he talked about her, she doesn't have her soul. He's you know what drove me? You know what drove me nuts? What? I looked up Eliza. Like I looked up so many characters trying to figure out who Eliza might be, because the only Eliza that I remembered was Eliza Bennett, which is from uh, Pride and Prejudice. But there is like almost no Eliza from anything that like might fit at all. Like the closest I could get was that Eliza was the uh, mother of Tom in the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, and she was a slave. And I'm like, well, this character is kind of a slave, and Eliza from Tom Uncle Tom's Cabin is kind of a slave. But that just doesn't feel like a perfect fit. And Eliza Bennett definitely doesn't feel like a good fit because she was, like, full of life and comical and hard to, hard to get romantically and, like, sarcastic and just not, like, the perfect little, like, angel that that meant. The name Eliza means joy, which is cool because, you know what I mean, that kind of fits there. But that's, like, really, like, all I got. Like, there's nobody... For a character that's so, like, embedded in, like, mythology and, you know what I mean, in, in legends and literature and stuff like that, it was just weird for, like... Like, the name Eliza either means joyful or my god is an oath. And, the only, like, the closest literary character to connect to it is a slave. So it's it's not like it doesn't completely not fit, except that slave would have been about 200 years ago. It just doesn't work, you know? I mean, I think the so, closest you're... I think you're looking into it. I don't think... Typically, anime... Well, they'll take a name or something like that, and they'll make... Because there's no, there's no real... There's no, like real proof of a person like this existing and i'm pretty sure this means joy because she was joyful and full of energy when she was alive she is no longer that anymore because her soul is no longer in that body for what i can gather mm -hmm. i don't think he brought her back to life all he was able to do was put together mm -hmm. this this body and that's why he's so upset when yo calls her a doll 
The only other thing I could think of, and you can tell me what you think about this, is that there was, um, when I was in college, I took some courses on Shakespeare, like studied specifically Shakespeare, and um, it was thought for a long time, and it's still like one of the biggest standing like theories about um, the identif identity of Shakespeare is, the, and this one's not as well kept, but it's very persistent, like a lot of people really believe in this is that Shakespeare didn't exist and that it was the pen name of Queen Elizabeth who wouldn't have been allowed to write, you know what I mean, because she was a woman at the time, but that actually Shakespeare was a woman named Elizabeth, which would which is shortened to Eliza. And the connection there would be that Faust appeared in a lot of plays. You know, the character Faust, like is the more popular um, depictions of him are very often in, in plays and things like that. So it could have been like a really, really loose connection that way, but then you lose a lot, you know? But um, Goethe, Goethe was like one of the uh, most popular writers of the legend of Faust, wrote it as a play. And the play is called Faust, written by the German, uh, German author, Johann, again, Johann, like being the name of that guy, Wolfgang von Gauth. So I don't know. And in that case, it was published um, this, It was published in 1808 and 1832. And 1832 lines up fairly well with Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was like 1840. So in that case, like then, you know what I mean? You have that double entendre of it being an Uncle Tom and also a, Queen Elizabeth being Shakespeare. But that's just, it feels like a big stretch, but I just really couldn't find any other better connections to the inside joke that I feel like is really there by the fact that they gave her like that clear name and everything else and went on and on about her. I don't think she really exists or she's meant to be anything other than the embodiment of that name. But as I said before, she's lacking the joy that that name means. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that a lot of times names mean more than them actually taking a character from real life. Because I mean, they could have went with Hitler here and used one of Hitler's like many fiancés there's a, there's a doll here but they decided to go with something else entirely so um like i said then you have the uh the literal meanings the historical meanings you know what i mean which do kind of fit in that sense but if there's anyone listening to this podcast that um has a theory or has something better than i do about this i'd love to hear about it like if you have a way to leave a comment or anything like that like please Give me some ideas because this was really Twitter, bugging. The Game Hunter zero uh, nine is the best way to leave comments and gain contact with, with me. I will definitely leave. Uh, I'll definitely let Doc know if anything does come through. That's we'll the talk best about that in the next podcast if someone really does come up with a really cool theory. I mean, if we talk about Shaman King this week, I don't think we will because it's going to be my hero next week. But we'll we'll see. Well, I won't. A podcast. You know what I mean. The next time it comes up, we'll we'll bring it up and, and discuss it. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, I don't think anyone else like online has ever researched this, so I feel like this is the only way we're going to get anything. Is if like if someone shares their theories, because I've I kind of exhausted myself on it. I feel like maybe you need to be more familiar with exactly what's going on with with Faust, because I, I didn't know that much to begin with. But I think it's a really interesting thing to explore. Maybe it's just nerdy me, but I think it's well, cool. I mean, Faust was very hard to research. Period. I I couldn't find anything just typing his name in because. Either he wasn't real, or either he was based. The character is based off a real life person who shared his last name, who also was an alchemist. 
It's very freaking weird. They even bring up him being a magician. There's a lot of stuff about that that isn't clear. Mm -hmm. But, um... I will say that this character, Faust, is very creepy. With any anime that has a Faust involved, typically he is. He's probably the less creepy... He's probably the least creepy version of a, of a fictional character I've actually seen. Because I've seen worse. Oh, wait a minute. The Faust lost his soul um, by making a deal with the devil, and Eliza is... Eliza's name means God's oath. So it's sort of like a, a yin and yang thing, which is yin and yang is a big theme in the next episode too. So you have God's oath and the, a deal with the devil like existing together. I guess like, that makes sense considering how how much he views how beautiful she is. It definitely doesn't like her being called a doll. Yeah, my God is an very oath. very lifeless and a there, jeez. Yeah, my god is an oath and a deal with the devil. That that makes sense to me. Especially if the other meaning is joyful. I'm going with that. That's gotta be it. Because yin and yang and like opposites being connected to each other is a really strong theme in this series anyway. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Like the true meaning of it, my god is an oath and then a deal with the devil. Like best known for with a character that's best known for making a deal with the devil. It's an interesting line before I move on here that uh, Leo says after uh, Eliza jumps at him for the second time. It's uh, He says, it's because life is limited that there is happiness and sadness. Like, uh, he's exhibiting yin and yang within himself trying to become Shaman King to bring his wife back. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that if he didn't have sadness, happiness wouldn't be make sense either. Like, life is both. It's a beginning and an end and happiness and sadness. And here you have someone bringing the dead back to life, which is definitely opposites clashing together in an unnatural way. Yeah, it's like poetic at that point. And Yo completely takes her feet off. Sweeps her off her feet. And <laughs> Faust... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I gotta do to... that. <laughs> I, just, I just had to... I had to... <laughs> you broke it. You broke the entire thing. Uh, her fever is just completely gone. Um... And after that, Yo loses the fight because his oversoul is gone. But because yeah, Faust, his oversoul really... is still there. I'm guessing... The moral, the moral of the story is don't mess with Faust's foot fetish. Oh, dear. Uh, dear. This is basically worse with the whole necrophilia thing. But, uh... But, um... Yo loses the fight, and he starts going on this whole spiel that because he was so detached, he didn't have to feel anything or feel like... Uh, he never thought he'd feel anything for losing, but he, he's very frustrated like a, like an anime protag will on his first loss on the show. Um, that, you know, he loses and he needs to get stronger uh, to save the people that he cares about. And he cries here like the anime protag does here. Uh, Grant is not... His crying is not as comedic as we all know one uh, Midoriya from My Hero Academia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, somebody get this man a bucket is what I normally would say for Midoriya, but, um, just like Yo is, like, all down and beaten up. He's, he's defeated both mentally and physically to the point where, he, like, it makes it seem like he's probably not going to go on with the fight, but Amitamaru, who is, it's kind of funny that Amitamaru is the one that brings him up because leading up to this point in the show, he was always, Yo was always the one who was giving Amitamaru the pep talk. But Amita Mara was the one giving him a pep talk. 
and pretty much kind of like being funny with him but you know he was like because of him he uh he understands i guess death more i guess is the best way to put it you know he mm-hmm. understands yo more now than he did when he first you know became his guardian ghost and pretty much saying that you know he like he always wondered what it will work out with me but he really believes in yo like everybody else does which i guess is the biggest point here is that everybody believes in yo and we have Anna saying, what's up with this cool samurai and his laugh? I actually had to rewind that twice because her expression was funny. <laughs> like, her expression, she doesn't show much expression. She's actually kind of, like, as laid back as Joe is sometimes. So she doesn't mm-hmm. have much of a facial expression. So it's kind she of kind of reminds me from that, of that uh, red-headed character from Evangelion. I forget her name. I've never watched that show. And I, before you say it, I, I, I will eventually get around other she stuff. is like she's the main character who's very mild mannered and brown haired skinny skinny little kid it's she's like simultaneously very aggressive rival and sort of a love interest that has the same abilities that he does which are very rare in their world I guess before we enough to talk about episode 8 here um, Faust goes on a rampage it almost mm-hmm. kills Yo only for Rin and his oversoul to save him. But the only reason why Rin saves him is because he won't let anybody else kill him but him. Like Vegeta would say to Goku. You know, I saw the same thing and I didn't want to say it because I thought you'd like hang up on me. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to point out the similarities if they're there, Chuck. He wants to return his house to the former glory and, you know, bring back the glory of the Saiyan race, but I didn't say that out loud. I guess we're talking about that whole... Like, I mean, we're not going to talk about it. We're, 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 we're going to talk about it in a minute, but... Um... Not Saiyan, Shaman. It's totally different. There's, like, many different letters. Saiyan, Shaman, they're, they're not, they don't even sound alike. I hate you. <laughs> The Saiyan King, the Shaman King, you know, the Saiyan Prince, the Shaman Prince, whatever. It, it's probably a coincidence. How much? How much? How much? I don't even know anymore. Moving on to episode eight, because <laughs> that was that was the end of episode seven. So uh, yeah, we now have the end of the fight with Faust. We're now dealing with the aftermath of Yo being injured, uh, Yamada being severely injured. As I mute this episode. And the episode begins with Yamada in the hospital bed. And we see his mother. And before anybody brings it up, this show was made during a point when tropes of an ugly husband and a beautiful wife were a thing. So this is just one of those situations where like, and her name is Keiko. This is very funny. (laughs) I think Keiko means something too. But um, the very worrying mother, and he got a sister. The very uh, she's a another stereotype. The she's she's also another stereotype. Uh, the the mysterious sister likes to get her brother, her sister sibling in trouble. This, <laughs> his, his, his entire his entire family is a stereotype. His sister mischievous, you mean not mysterious? Sorry, mischievous. Sorry. That's okay. Like, it, like this entire film is a stereotype, and I want to say this for a lot of fairy tale fans. Uh, I could not, I could not, not see. Um, forgot his name. 
but he 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 looks almost like him. But the only difference between him and the in that character Fairy Tale is that the character for Fairy Tale is a fat tubby man of his height. <laughs> he he he's only he he's like he's not fat. He's not skinny either. <laughs> but it's a it's very I I couldn't I couldn't hear but man just <laughs> coming from his his mouth. But um, again, with the stereotype of an ugly troll-looking man with a beautiful tall woman. <laughs> was she really that beautiful? You're really playing up how pretty she was, but I don't remember her being particularly pretty. She was. She. I'm just gonna say she was pretty enough to for me to question how his father got her. I'll say that much. She was pretty enough for me to question her, like what she believes to be handsome. Cause this man is really weird. This guy's got white hair. This guy is aging. <laughs> um, it's very freaking weird. Like, I, I think even like, I mean, we also, I mean, going off that topic, we see, we see that Yamada's life isn't, you know, all that's cracked up to be. You know, he has all the ex- expectations. He's apparently the heir to a multi-billion-dollar company of, uh, that provides energy to the entire. The entire uh, country of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a mistranslation or not because I thought they were in middle school, but maybe I could be wrong. But according to his father, after he gets healed, he wants him to transfer to an American university. And I'm very confused because I thought it was university in the same way that my hero academia is considered university, and it was just a mistranslation. You know how, like, My Hero Academia feels like a university, but it's really just, like, middle school? It's a high school. But, I mean, yeah, I get, yeah. I get your point. Well, they're 14. That's still middle school age around here. I guess it could be... But then again... But then... Okay, I don't even know. That means, I guess they... they I mean, I guess all of that because like... I feel like it has to be high school because, like... Hold up. How old are people... How old is... How does Deckard... 14. He's 16 currently. He's 16 currently, but he's like in three year three right now. His first appearance, he was 14. He's 15 right now. No, he's sixteen right now, but he was no. And where we are right now, right where we're right now in the anime, he no, 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 you're right. Never mind, he's sixteen. I was right when I first said that. So anyway, yeah, he's sixteen now. He was fourteen then, but fourteen in my experience as a teacher teaching middle school was like middle school age. Well, I guess what I'm saying is like, well, that doesn't make much sense to me in my brain because that means when they get out, they're just going to go into a job, and I don't think that's how education works. But moving on, but... uh, It's a vocational school. He's probably going to... Given how rich they are, he's probably going to a prep school in America. I was talking about... But, uh, I was, I was still talking about my hair academia, but... I'm just gonna drop that subject. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm confused, but we we see that uh, his 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 life isn't all as cracked up to be. 
um, it kind of makes sense why he would hang out with Yo. Speaking of which, apparently his father doesn't trust Yo to the point where he starts researching him, and they find out that apparently he skipped school and he's uh, a, a, a he's a slacker, which completely goes against yet again another yin and yang thing where Yamada's family is hardworking, but Yo is the complete opposite. And um, you see that apparently his mother doesn't seem to. She just cares about her son, but her father, her 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 husband wants his his son to be ready to take over the the company. I'm guessing from the way everything's kind of set up. Right. I, I honestly don't think that we're gonna see these guys again, considering that he does run away uh, as he's about to head over to America. Um, I feel like they're just a one stop thing. I mean, I could be wrong, and it'd be kind of funny to see them again, but I don't think we will. Uh, I mean, they might look for him, right? I guess, considering how messed up his father is, I highly doubt he'll look for him. Especially if he ran away with some free shit. The mother might, and the father might do it for his ego. I guess I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit there and say that it's impossible, I just, I just don't know. I mean, we could see yeah. him again, we do see him again, it'd be kind of funny to see some more development with that, but who knows. Um, based on what we know about their parents, they're very, they're very, uh, one's overprotected, the other one doesn't. He just mm. wants his son to take over the company. But uh, we see, yeah, that his he doesn't have a good family life. He thought his father was coming to visit him to see how he was doing, and instead he comes to slap him in the face, giving him more injuries in the process of in the hospital. Teaching him a damn lesson. Oh dear. Oh no. Don't please. No. No, I don't condone this. <laughs> Endeavor would approve. Uh, moving on, um, we now we see uh, Yamada like I guess looking looking at his life and wondering you know coming coming to terms with why he why he hung out with Yo anyway because he didn't he didn't have a plan for his life but Yo seemed to know what he wanted to do. Um, we also find out apparently because he's wondering where Yo is because he didn't come to visit him. He finds out that he's in a he's in the hospital room right next to him, and when he walks in, the mood has changed. Amitamara looks up at him and looks back down, and Yo essentially just says, "Leave! I'm not your friend anymore. You, you, um, you made me lose the, the, um, the match with you running away like an idiot." Uh, Mansa takes that harshly and runs away. Anna com- comments that she didn't think he he could be that um be that harsh, even though Yo was just trying to, in his own way, do something stupid, which is try to protect his friend from getting hurt again. Which is not a bad move. I mean, yeah, it's also it's also potentially a selfish move too. If he's like, I don't want anything in my way if I'm going to become shaman king. Like this guy has proven himself to be a liability for, and it's also deeply affecting his like his own safety. So it sort of makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it at the same time. It's, it's just kind of harsh. I mean, if he was trying to keep him safe, he could have just said that, please don't, please don't come near me ever again situation versus just flat, flat out telling him that I'm not your friend anymore. Even though the yeah. first thing that he said to him was in the first episode when we met, we're friends, we're best friends, you know, and Yamada not knowing, and Yo not knowing Yamada's, you know, like what his life is like, is like, it's sort of like, I don't, it's it, like a lot of that was like said in haste versus really coming up with an actual plan. Yeah. Granted, all this is all for Yo so he can go train by himself so he can get stronger. 
because he realizes how much weaker he is uh, compared to Ren right now. Does Ren have another spear? I don't even know. I guess it doesn't really matter, but um, I saw that flash, but I was like, did that spear look different? I could have sworn he didn't, that spear didn't look the way it did. But uh, pretty much he, Yo is now coming up with a plan to get stronger, and he ends up going back to his home, which you already talked about earlier. That uh, yeah, I guess before we move on, I know Jock's going to talk about this because he talked about it and he wouldn't let it go last last time it showed up. Ryu's cut hair. <laughs> I, I figured I'll let you rant because I know you're going to rant because you ranted last time. I mean, I might actually have a little more deep of a comment to say here than you expect, but I do have something to say about it. Go right ahead. Okay. So, this episode, differently than other episodes that we've seen so far, I felt like really um, was kind of embodying some major storyline shifting. Um, Mantis' character has been changed by Yo, in my opinion, like, pretty significantly, and it's growing. And there's some symbolism here where, like, when he leaves the uh, airport, you see he forgets his wallet, which... And then he looks up and he sees the plane flying to America. But I saw some symbolism there that, like, the wallet was kind of like the promising, lucrative future that he was going to have. You know what I mean? That he was, like, he had this perfect, like, future set up for him and arranged for him where he was going to, he would have had the wallet together. He would have had the money. He would have had, like, everything arranged for him. He was going to go to America. And he literally sees it flying away, like, his money, too. At the at the time that he meets Ryu, who kind of like turns him into like I don't know, like a a nomad or a streetwalker or some a gypsy or something like that, where he just kind of maybe not a, a gypsy, it might not be appropriate, but like the other things, like he's walking the land now and he doesn't have any forgot his wallet. It was in his suitcase with all this stuff that he didn't bring with him, and it just flew to the USA, like just like the rest of his future. So, or that version of his future, you know what I mean? So you see this major character growth um, from Manta. And then you see Ryu, like, showing up, and he's got this new, like, little future going for himself, too, where he's going to go to America and become a sushi chef. And you have that little loop of, like, like his hair popping out that I sort of thought, like, kind of, like, also symbolized that future. And shortly after that, he discards that future and says, oh, I'll just become a shaman instead. And then shortly afterwards, his hair gets cut off, almost like his future was thrown away at that time, too, just like the wallet. So, and then Yo, um, for a third layer of symbolism, goes to his grandfather. And the first thing that the grandfather says is, like, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to die and become reborn. Which is, like, another way of, like, seeing the future go away. Like, you, when you die, like, nothing gets rid of your future this, like dying does. So all three of them had something that was really important to them. Possibly, like, the most important thing to them in, in certain ways. Because Manta's, like, lucrative future was pretty important to him and defined who he was. And while you, being more of a comic character, like, he was defined by his hair. You know what I mean? It started growing back, and then he cut that off. Sort of defining who he was. And it was even, like, cut little bit more than just that piece like it was that and like a chunk of what was there before too and then you have yo like literally die you know what i mean and then his friends that used to hang out in the graveyard uh reused friends that all used to hang out in the graveyard now have jobs and like are kind of like starting a new life in a reboot too and don't hang out in the graveyard anymore so i know that might be a little deeper than you expected me to go with my with my rant but like i saw three big points here that we're talking about 
getting rid of the old and, and, and accepting and embracing the new here, and then sort of a fourth with the jobs of Ryu's friends. So I thought that was super interesting that, like, they all, like, symbolically and in some way literally, like, discard their current life to take on something new. You're right, that was not what I expected to come from that, from, from that entire situation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool, isn't it? Like, I don't know, I liked that, that parallel. I mean, I didn't look at it like that, um... Yeah, we're gonna move on from that. I think you said you said everything that could be said about that. <laughs> I'm gonna Sorry. let that just no, it's no problem. I'm gonna let that. That's gonna be Jock's wear for today. Everybody think about everybody think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as we come back, we see Yo after he's already con- gone home. Now he's with his grandfather, and they're going to a cave for him to do his training. Because Furukuru is, uh, you only have the max amount of your maximum of Furukuru you're born with, or some energy. I'm gonna probably call it, is um, your is, is what you're born with. You can only increase that if you quote unquote die. By that he means you gotta focus on your sixth sense, which is apparently something that uh, shamans have that they have control with. It allows them, it, it allows them to sense and control sp- spirits and whatnot, and uh. This gets another one of those situations where, like, Yo has changed enough to the point to realize that, you know, he's going to train. He's going to do his best to be uh, strong enough to be able to become the Shaman King. Something that his grandfather was shocked by because back when he was trying to train him, Yo didn't want to do anything but listen to music. <laughs> yeah. So that was like a, that was like kind of like a change for him, on, like something giving him his whole life to, to um, gain something new. And again, he's also wearing his Smoke Weed Every Day shirt. Still don't know why they did that. That seems so weird to me. But um, it's literally one shirt. But we uh, first, then we come back to Mata and Ryu in a diner. I guess stopping for dinner or whatever, on their way to meet up with Yo. And Mata is having, I guess, his own like, the rede- well, not redemption, but his own like monologue in his own brain. Ryu being the the guy of wisdom here, ironically enough, saying that uh, Yo doesn't hate you, and like you still be, you're still his friend and whatnot. Go and see him, and I will take you there, which is essentially what his road trip is. But Ryu also has his own like uh, idea. He wants to see if he can't. I'm sorry that 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 uh his pompadour and that piece of hair sticking has really distracted me. <laughs> the what? Jeez. The piece of his hair and his pompadour is really distracting me. <laughs> It's like it's so out of place. Jeez, but um, but yeah, Ryo says he has his own like idea. He wants to see if he can't like learn from Ryo to become a sh- I mean, learn from Yo to become a shaman. And it's mm-hmm. like I was like, okay, well he he can already see spirits. I mean, why the heck not? The only thing that's missing is that evil spirit that took him over. But uh, I guess with that we can now talk about something that Jock brought up earlier, which is the second love interest. Um, I don't know if I consider her a love interest because I really for me love interests are some or somebody that can compete to be able to be able to get noticed by the main character they're in love with. Well, well I we don't, don't know think it. I don't think she has the ability to compete. That, that's just me. We don't know if she's going to be able to or not, but it's not like unbelievable to think so. Um, I just don't think she can compete, and that and it's just because it's just because of her personality. Now, granted, I will say I'm, I'm kind of contradicting kind of myself here because there's a character kind of like her from Naruto called Hinata, 
and she's a, she's soft spoken too. But the difference between her and Hinata, Hinata actually kind of, as the series goes on, starts making strides to get up there with the main character, so she, you know, so she can be with him. She doesn't seem like the type of character to do that. I could be wrong. I she can certainly hang with him. She is certainly representative of his more chill side, like his more laid back side. But she does have well, a spine to her Honor is more representative of his chill side. If anything. I mean, as far as love interest goes. But oh. you also... There's also, like, more name symbolism here. I actually... I actually have a cat named Tama that I had until until just before I got married. And uh, I got it from my friend who had named it based... She spoke a little Japanese, and she said that there was an anime character, a cat named Tama, that was named that way because it had a jewel shape in its forehead. And uh, Tama means jewel. And I also, I've also seen this referenced in some other translations that Tama means jewel. I looked it up, and... She, it means, uh, it also, from what I looked up, it said globe or ball or perfect. Um, but I know in the past I've looked up the translation of Tama for, in Japanese and I've seen it seen, say, gemstone or jewel or something like that as well, or diamond. So you have that. Like, she, her name means that she's a jewel or perfect or something like that. And then um, Tama Tama. And if you look at her name, it's Tama Mora Tamayo. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like Tama Tama in short. Tama Tama is actually a phrase in Japanese that means by accident, too. So you have this, like, accidentally perfect kind of thing. And for someone that's awkward, um, you know what I mean? And, and kind of, like, clum not clumsy, but just awkward. Like, she just kind of, like, comes in from a weird direction. But has the powers, has the backbone has um has a completely different appeal than Anna does. I think it's kind of cool to think about her as a potential love interest. And then I mean along with that the um the spirit friends that she has, Ponchi and Conchi, are obviously full of sexual energy. So there's that like sort of implication that she's got this sexual energy all around her, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I just also want to look up. I looked up Ponchi. It's like a dessert made with egg, white, cinnamon, and sugar. Uh... No, Ponchi is... Um, Ponchi is a tanuki. No, but I'm saying, like, I literally looked up the, the word, and it's, it's just apparently, I guess one of the one of the meanings of it is dessert made with egg, white, cinnamon, and sugar. Uh, oh, cool. That, that's disturbing. I wonder what Ponchi means while we're here. <laughs> Oof. But, uh, and I guess also with that whole, I guess over here, we're talking about her spirits. Um, I feel like now the thing is here, there's, there's a, there's a transitional scene that we see of her spirits and, um, they are wearing diapers. I'm guessing only to cover their genitalia, which is very, they don't hide it. Is Hanshi, um, a type of wine? Because when I typed Conchi in, I get vanilla, Villa Conchi, Bella Conchi, and they're all like, sort of like, I think champagnes or something. I mean, I'm getting something else here. Uh, it's like, uh, the name derives from the Latin concipio, concepto, meaning gather. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Conchi. Wait a minute, what is Conchi? 
Greek shell. Uh, I need to look up the Japanese means for these versus like the actual like because I'll just come up with like. Well, conchi I, I thought was going to be connected to conch shells, which is what the Greek says, but that's what I was expecting to see like snails or something like snail salad or something come from it. But when I looked it up and went to image search, it just shows tons of pictures of wine. Here's something. Uh, look at Conchi. I get this other thing, Concho, which I guess it's looking. Uh, I don't even think that is an actual word. It probably it's probably derived from something else. Like if it's a you prank take performed by clasping the hands together in the shape of an imaginary gun and attempting to poke or unsuspecting victim's anus. Uh, oh no! Serving dictionary. There's a. If you try searching by Conchi. And you'll see a million pictures of different types of champagne and sparkling wine. And, like, image search. It'd just be fun if they were both also foods. That's all. I mean, it probably is, for all we know. Um, I guess basically what I just read of in the in Arbitrary or whatever, that makes sense with a fox, because of what he does do later on in the episode, which is pee all over Mata. While surrounded by Ponchi's ball sack. It's quite a ball sack. Yeah. I've never seen I've never seen a weaponized ball sack before. <laughs> I'm just a little bit I, I now I I'm not gonna lie, like I knew that Shaman King had went through some censorship heck mm -hmm. years ago. And a lot of things didn't get and this is during a time when a lot of things from Japan never made it over here because America Decensored it and made, made sure, I mean, not decensored, but censored it, making sure that it was suitable for kids because they were showing these to kids um, on Four Kids. And Four Kids is notorious for censoring a lot of stuff. But uh, it's one of those things. Wait, did Ryu grow a, a beard and all that? Hold up. What the heck? I couldn't tell if he was dirty or if he just grew a beard because he looks pretty beat up still, but I couldn't tell for sure. I mean, I could, I could believe either or, um, if yeah. I'm being honest. Um, I thought I'd wait until next episode to bring up anything about that because I couldn't tell if it really was a beard or not. Yeah, no kidding. And is it just me or is Ponchi and Kochi, are their tails, um, phallic? You know. If you look at their tails, they look. I know. I just saw. Bad. I just. I just saw. I wish I didn't see, considering that Ponchi's ball sack is hanging. Um, mm -hmm. It's coming out the other side and all, but it looks an awful lot like two penises. Ah, oh dear. This is not what I wanted to see. And it's also disturbing that I think from the way they also and there's hair coming off of his ball sack. Good. Yeah, and then when they took <laughs> Ryu, do you notice that? Did you notice when they take out Ryu that they, like, they hit him in the crotch with what yeah. I'm pretty sure was his penis? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> dick to the dick, man. Oh, dear. Um, we also see her oversoul, no which is oversoul no Cupid. Way. There's no to... way this is not two penises. There's no to... way. I'm trying to move on. I'm looking, I'm, I was trying to find a picture of it. There's no way. I just threw you a picture in Discord. There's no way those are anything but penises. 
It's I really disturbing. I already saw the image. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, can I say something a little more interesting about Ponchi and Kochi then? I mean, if it's nothing to do with the way they look, then go right ahead. So Ponchi was a Tanuki, which you know from um, Mario, the Tanuki suit and stuff like that. They're a uh, a Tanuki is a real animal in Japanese myth, but it's also a Japanese mythological supernatural animal. Mm-hmm. Um, I already know that. So I thought that was really cool that they um, they came up a lot in uh, in different like Japanese classics and things like that. And it says that they can shift, shapeshift into other things or people and can possess human beings, which is also something a Kitsune can do. Um, a Kitsune is what uh, Kanchi is. So I thought that was interesting that they were really similar, a dog and a fox that can shapeshift and possess people because that was like something that they both shared. Um, and then a Kitsune, I thought it was interesting because one of the things I read was that the more tails a Kitsune has, they can have as many as nine. The older, wiser, and more powerful they are. Now, this guy only has, like, one, debatably, one tail. Um, but I was thinking about Tails from Sonic the Hedgehog. And how he's, like, a fox with two tails. So he's probably, we look at him and see, think fox, but he's probably a Kitsune. If you really think about it. Like, a Kitsune with some power, because he's got two tails and they can have up to nine. But still, I like... I think he's already confirmed to be a fox, though. What? Tails, it, I think Tails has been confirmed to be a fox, though. But Kitsune is the Japanese word for fox. It's huh. literally the word for fox in Japanese. So Tails could be a Kitsune and literally be translated to fox in the U.S. And, and what I'm saying wouldn't necessarily be untrue. But they also had the ability to... Um, to do things like change shape and possess people and stuff like that too. But I, I, I get that. I mean, I guess the other thing. I guess we're talking about like Japanese mythology. I learned recently that apparently in a uh, in Jap- in the, the myth in the, in the mythos and whatnot, apparently Kitsune and Tanuki are at odds with each other. Usually, they're um usually they're mortal enemies in anything that they're both in. So it's kind I'm of sorry, funny. I'm wrong. Sorry to cut your thing. I'm wrong. They don't possess people. They do shape shift. I'm sorry, would you get back? I was super distracted by that. I was, like, dying to find out. It's kind of funny that in, like, a lot of the mythology that there that usually is involved with them in it, usually you never see, if there's a Tanuki, you never see a Kitsune mentioned in the same, in the same myths a lot of times or stories, but whenever mm-hmm. they are in the same myth, usually they're at odds with each other. And usually, um, Tanukis are, are, mis- are, well, they're both mischievous, and they both like to play pranks, but I think the Tanuki is more willing to play a, uh, play a prank on you then i think the kitsune i think the kitsune is trying to get your soul i think it's like one of the, it's one of the they both do different things but they also can be mischievous and pull a prank on a human being um and i'm well aware of the, the transforming thing i think the kitsune i found out about that recently i didn't know it could transform but i know the tanuki could for obvious reasons but um yeah I didn't know that. I, I think I learned about the casino transforming abilities as well. And I didn't know about the whole like more tails. I mean, that's kind of where the nine tail fox thing for Naruto came from. But um, yeah, I uh, I've really hmm, those those two characters is really weird. I feel like we're going to see her more anyway because of her connection to Yo. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to see those two again. 
But I, I thought surrounding her by the, all that sexual energy, like, sort of, like, also was setting her up as, like, a love interest. Do you know what I mean? That she's, like, hanging out with the two most horny things in the world and being sweet and pure herself. Like, it just seemed like it was a... Uh, she is a one designer, of though. Um, it's also interesting to know that Kitsune um, can feed on the life spirit of human beings through sexual contact. So when they jabbed him with their penis, like sexual contact literally can drain their life force. So it's possible that he actually did have like a mythological reason for doing what he did. And uh, Tanuki's, it says, actually have been shown with their testicles flung over their backs like travel back, traveler's backs or using their testicles as drums. So like there's some like mythological background for both of those. Can I just say ow? Like, you sure can. But like, an actual like an actual tanuki actually does have some pretty hardy testicles too. If, yeah, I'll send you a picture on Discord. No, 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 no. If you look, look at it though, you can't. No. Un- no. Go look. No, no, Chuck. Those are big hairy old testicles right there. So living <laughs> like, I mean, if you're listening at home, just Google it. But like, no, that's, please that's, don't. Please don't. Please don't. I don't want to be responsible for any of this. That's a good point. But, um, so there is, like, some, like, justification. This isn't just, like... I mean, it's it's gross sexuality stuff, but, like, it's not just that. There is actually a mythological, like, foundation for those kind of things. I'm just going to say it's just Japan, and I'm going to move on from that subject. There's a, uh, there's even a, jo- a common Japanese schoolyard song, like, that makes reference to Tanuki testicles. Oh, dear. I mean... Ten, ten Tanuki's bullocks, even without wind, they swing, swing. <laughs> that's not, that's the I translation mean, of it, but, like, it's I mean, in I mean, uh, Japanese. Well, I don't, I, I, I believe it because th- there are children's songs over here that reference the bombing of, uh, uh... Nothing. The only bird song, uh, like it references like uh, violence and stuff like that it happened, and the kids don't know what they're singing, but everybody else does, and it's one of the reasons why it's banned and being sung in elementary schools, on uh, elementary schools to this day. But um, yeah, but uh, ugh. but I guess as we end this episode off, we uh, they they go meet yo, <laughs> they they go meet yo at the at the end of the the cave where he decided to go and do some training. And they all make it. They're all serious, right? For a couple of seconds, kind of saying that Yo might come out differently. And I just, I just, sat, I just sat there like, this is a trope where usually the main character comes out and their hair is longer, right? Yo's gonna come out looking the exact same, isn't he? And he comes out looking the exact same. I just find it funny that they were playing on that whole like usually training usually involves the main character changing somewhat, but Yo did mm-hmm. not. If anything, he changed back to being his old self. And he actually mentions it too, where he's when he's like, while he's like walking in there, he's like, he starts mm-hmm. realizing that he can't see, and he's only he's like he's actually thought he was dead, and he just said that in order to keep going, he just stopped thinking and moved forward, and I was like, well, that's typically a yo thing right there. Like right there, he mentions that he like he just stops thinking, and he comes out at the end. They said he's all laid back, he even surprises Anna, which is by the way really hard to do sometimes. But it did prove. Um... He did prove to be pretty good at uh, at him. His improvement proved to be pretty good. Like he immediately like 
destroys the attack that Grandpa sends to him and, like, just kind of shows his evolution and everything else. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like, yeah, he's himself, maybe because... Plate, of... In the arm plate that his honor, you know, Oversoul is bigger now, yeah. which is, like, interesting, too. But it's kind of cool, like, he... It's almost like he's, like, acting that way because he's in control again. You know, like, he's gone back to being able to completely cover it up. Like, he's not as shaken as he was. He comes back feeling like he's on top of the, top of himself again. So you get to see the version of him that the world he wants the world to see as opposed to maybe, like, what's going underneath. But the fact that he world. has that transition right away like that kind of hints that, like, there is more going on underneath. Yeah, I, mean, so I guess speaking of that, I want to bring up that it's, it's a tiny thing, but uh, it's actually dealing with Anna, and it's, like, it's a scene when... Um, when they're saying everything's back to normal and whatnot, and you see Anna in there, and she's being Sundari, which is what she is. Uh, I like to bring her that it's very light. When you look underneath her eyes, you see this little blush as if she was worried about him, which is something that she doesn't like to show. She's she doesn't like to show weakness apparently, but like right mm -hmm. here, she she says in a very sarcastic way, but she's like, "You're alive, so at least it's a job well done." But you see that you see that she was concerned mainly because she wasn't the one who suggested him going to that cave to begin with. So it's one of those things where you see her evolving too, saying, showing that she's showing a lot more emo uh, a lot more concern for Yo now than she was in the past. So like in, in that whole love interest thing, it sounds like she really when that sounds like it looks like she's really she looks like she really did care about Yo and it wasn't just an arranged marriage. So she really is in love with him. So it's like mm. it's like one of those things like it's showing a lot more here than it did in the past. But it's like, it's, it's like, I mean, it's a small thing, but it, 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 I guess it's appreciated, considering there's another yeah. girl uh, in, in involved in the show now <laughs> who has feelings for Yo. Ooh, it's pretty clear. So, like, I mean, it's kind of cool that they're showing that moral on it now. So at least now, if there is going to be a fight, at least we'll see the, at least we'll see that Anna is in the fight as well, if there's a fight. But um. Now, uh, Yo's asking here, I mean, everybody's eating at the dinner, having dinner and whatnot. Yo's all laid back, and he's asking about his grandfather and his mother, uh, who have not seen his mother. You know, I thought, I thought it was assumed that she died when she gave birth to her, but maybe not. I was probably wrong in assuming that. So, uh, at least he said, where is she right now? She's, like, helping out some dictator or something like that? Yeah, they're just off somewhere, and they're like, what the hell, you're home, and they don't even, they don't want to be around? This is kind of weird too. I think it mean it doesn't mean much to Yo because he's used to living by himself. But for uh, for Yamada, it's like his parents are all, well, his father is a, is a douchebag. So <laughs> like parents and stuff like that like mean a lot probably more to him. But uh, also I want to bring up too, um, not that it's been showing any hints here, but this has been going to my mind. First I realized this and knew this a long time ago. The creator of the show, um, he has in the past known to do yaoi pairings and by yaoi i mean gay pairings yeah. um in his in the uh in one of his other series he's done usually there was uh one of the male characters is actually and and he expresses this as in love with the main character but the main character is not is not gay he's straight so it, it ends up there's a lot going on there but i like i just want to say that if it's if if they if i don't know if they would but like with the way they're do, you know, characterizing Yamada here, they could go that way, and I just want people not to be shocked if it does go that way. I just want to say that if this, if gay stuff gets brought into the series, 
I really hope that it's anatomically correct. Why are you guys? <laughs> Why? <are> you... <laughs> Bro, literally, when he when he sees shorter than yo, but he's talking about something else entirely. I'm like, no, John. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was the worst pun in the world. I hope it's not anatomically correct, just to mess with you. <laughs> anatomically correct. Oh dear. Jeez. That's what I was getting at. I mean, if they were Yuri in here, I'd be for it, but I'm not. That's, that's not nothing. <laughs> but, uh, moving on, we see, I mean, I guess the, 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 the continue, like, the end of this is that, um, we see, uh, Yo's grandfather testing him, and he brings up Hari, uh, Anna brings up, um, Harishima to, uh, so Yo can bring out his oversoul, and, the first thing that Yoke notices that is that uh, the shield plate on the Oversoul is different, and Aminamara can talk now. Something that I was not aware of they couldn't do during the original Oversoul. And we also find out that Oversouls can change and, um, and evolve. And they also bring up that Aminamara is able to manifest on a higher plane now. So that means something. I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty sure it means something else other than the Oversoul. And also, really, does that does that mean that maybe Amitomaro is like a different class of spirit now? But I don't know. I mean, I'm not thinking about that too much. As we end this episode, we f- we flash over to Ren Tao, as we brought up earlier on in this podcast. Uh, Ren is coming out of the shower with a leaf in the perfect spot, um, in 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 the foreground, as Ren, Ren is in the background. Right. Although we do get to see some uh, kind of cool yin yang tattoo that's then copied over by his yin yang uh, on his uh, his robe, right? I thought that was kind of cool. Following up with that yin yang thing. Is it on his robe? Oh, I never picked it. I never picked up on that. Uh, yeah, it was on his clothes. It was on his clothing. If it was a robe or whatever, but it was also a tattoo on his body. That's interesting. I didn't notice that. Uh, and now we're like as. Uh, now we're talk- we're having a conversation between Ren and Basson, and Basson brings up the fact that he probably could have won if he had his horse. Uh, so I'm starting to think there's probably going to be more of a powerful oversoul for Basson showing up later on. Uh, mm-hmm. We also find out apparently Basson is a spirit passed down within the Tao family for generations, as a way to bring their family as Jock brought up to glory. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> I really do, considering the Shaman oh. King was around when Dragon Ball Z was around. But did he become, Did he go Super Shaman when he went into that cave? Uh, I hate you. He definitely got a Zenkai boost by going close to death and coming back. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... As uh, like even with jokes being it being correct aside, uh, <laughs> um, we see we, we see Rin. We're starting to we're starting to learn more about Rin. We found out mm-hmm. that Rin's doing this because the family like the family he, he has to he has to take on like the family's burden because they're all full of hatred. He wants to end the cycle of hatred, which is interesting considering that up to this point Rin's been doing nothing but spreading hatred. <laughs> but um. 
he wants to end it all. He wants to he wants to it all end in blood. So this is going to be the ultimate. This Ren's going to most likely be the ultimate test for Yo to change because it's going to happen. But uh, what is going to happen in the fight with those two is going to ultimately uh, involve with like Ren losing and possibly um, some major change coming over him. I guess. Yeah, because his first major villain is General Tao, right? He had to go Dragon Ball there. He had to go Dragon Ball. I was saying that it's his, he's bringing the Tao family back. His father's a great soldier, and he's now, like, the, the top one, so he's kind of like General Tao, right? You know, also, you right. <laughs> Yin Yang is not on his shirt, by the way. The, the shirt or whatever that he puts on, actually, um, it has a hole in the back of the shirt, so when he puts it on, you can see through it and see his tattoo on the back. I have to point out that's kind of that's kind of sadistic for the family. They they tattooed their son, and it looks like they tattooed him like when he was like five. Clinging is covering his back. They tattooed yeah, when he hurt. Older, I think he's gonna be so stretched out. Probably not with anime. It's gonna probably just like just it's gonna probably just conform to his back. That's probably what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess with that, that's the end of the episode. We now know a little bit more of what's happening. The next fight, we definitely know for certain, because Ren confirmed it, is this fight with Ren Tao. Well, Tao Ren. But um, we learned a little bit more about this character. We also learned a little bit more about like uh, Yo, which is gonna probably come back. That we now know that you know, you know, Yo has this weak- no, Yo has a weakness figured out, so he needs to now he needs to be able to keep us cool in the fight with Ren. But we'll see how that comes, you know, how that comes to pass. Because Grin's talking about, like, well, Bastion's talking about that if he had his horse, he would be at full power. So, um, we also learned that Oversouls can change, so we're probably going to see a whole different Oversoul for uh, Tower Ren since it's been a couple of weeks, probably, um, in, in the show. And I think we need, I guess we need to give, we need to get Yo get a power up so that way he could, like, be formidable. So we got that to look forward to. Um, so these two episodes are really good. I mean, we had like a historical figure, well, a mythical historical figure show up, nothing but a Faust who went crazy. Um, I was more into these two episodes than any that I've seen so far. I really enjoyed them. I'm glad because I feel bad. Like, like I feel bad for you watching this if you didn't, if you weren't enjoying any of the episodes. Right. No, I do. I like this one a lot more than than many of the ones I've seen previously. Well, we'll see if they can't keep the momentum going with the next two when we do review those. Two weeks out. I think. Yeah, two weeks out. Well, the next episode next week is going to be focusing on just My Hair Academia. Uh, since it's coming out on July 10th, so be looking out for that. Um, I think that's about it. Like, uh, we'll, I'll be keeping up you know, with the distribution also, if you guys have anything to say, if you want to communicate with us, do so on my Twitter, the GameHunter09 uh, Twitter handle. I will figure something out. I might have to make another Twitter just specifically for this, for this podcast. We'll have to see. Um, so that way, at least that way you can communicate directly with us, and uh, we can answer any questions you have. Um, 
Still don't know. We still don't have a confirmation on Dragon Prince yet. So that's going to be in limbo until we get a confirmation date uh, for that. Uh, that's about it. Uh, more, any more animes that we want to watch, we'll, we'll get around to it. A lot of animes I probably won't be reviewing specifically because I've already watched this entire series and if I bring it up to my to Jock here, I'll just have him watch it by himself because I want to see his. I want to hear about how he feels about it. But um, <laughs> I specifically say Dragon Dragon, uh, not Dragon Prince, but uh, the Demon Slayer won't be reviewing. The season two is coming up, but I won't be reviewing that here. And I won't be bringing it up because I want to just enjoy it just for the show because I enjoyed the first season a lot. Now I could do a, a, a retrospective review after the entire series is over, but we'll have to see about that. But that'll possibly possibly be be by myself. Uh, cause I'm not gonna force any more shows onto him that he has to watch. Oh, I didn't. I've watched some of Demon Slayer, and I actually really don't like it. I stopped watching it on my own. Wow. Okay. Well, now I know that. Jesse uh, and I were watching it, and we watched a bunch, and then we decided to stop watching it. So maybe what not Demon. Slayer? Stop watching. Oh, I don't know. Eight or nine. We got pretty far in before we stopped. I just wasn't into it. I guess I got a question for you. Was the was the character that just that, that was it a character that made it unenjoyable for you? I didn't like the attacks. I didn't like how like I didn't like that I didn't know what was going on with his with the powers. Like he went out and he did this like training montage thing and then he broke through the rock. And then all of a sudden he had these water attacks, but I didn't know anything about them. I didn't understand what was going on in the fights. I just sort of had to believe that he could do everything he did. And I just wasn't engaged with it. Like, the fights were boring and silly because the animation that they did for drawing the attacks was, like, kind of ridiculous. And I didn't understand who had the upper or bottom hand. Like, I couldn't keep score of, like, what was going on in the fight because I had no idea what was going on. Well... And um, I guess to, to say that, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter now, but uh, the a movie came out after the season one ended. There was like a year and a movie came out and in the movie, it's canon. There's a fight at the end of the movie that really shows that there's a huge power difference between demons and the demon slayers. At least the at least like the demon slayer is like with Tanjiro or Zenitsu. Mm -hmm. I will say, I had a. I, I was same thing with his sister. Like, you know, she's really powerful, but every time she does something, it just comes out of left field. You're like, oh, she can do that. And oh, she can do that. And it's not like a feeling of progression. It just feels like she's there to save the day. And I just really didn't like the way the fights were choreographed. I wasn't really captivated by the story, which kind of like meanders. Like, he finishes something and he's like, oh, I'm going to go do a new fight now. Like, I know there's a little bit of story, but it's just not. It wasn't good enough to keep me watching it. So, not even not even the brother or sister relationship that Tanjiro and she had was enough for you. No, because she was kind of empty. I know she like cared about him and stuff, and you'd see this little like, sort of like. I I can I see what you're talking like, about, but I really I feel disappointed because like, like you gave up you, you you gave up like uh I mean I guess if it's if it's not worth it for you by episode eight I would say well, stop watching it, but it's like they do there is a payoff with that. And it's very, I would say, to me, it was an emotional, worthwhile payout for me to watch what became of that. Because I will agree with you, you don't see much of it uh, throughout the thing. You only really see one side of it, and that's just Tanjiro trying to desperately keep his sister from dying from the sunlight. Because she has to be in that box. Because um, demons up to that point can't be seen in the, in the, in the sunlight. 
Um, right, but it's also kind of silly that she's he's carrying his sister in what seems like an impossibly small box all the time. And I don't well, know. I mean, she shrinks. She isn't just like she isn't like full size in that box. She she shrinks. I know, but it's just kind of absurd. It's like you just never know what they can do. Everything's so convenient. It doesn't feel like a good story. It's not completely off base. Like I said, I watched it for a while before I finally stopped. I watched like eight episodes. Which eight episodes means like I watched it for a few months. Because Jesse and I like rotate through the stuff we're watching on our own. And maybe like every five times we watch something, we might watch one of them. So it was like we were watching it for a long time. We just never got excited about it. And... It wasn't me. It wasn't Jesse. It was me that finally said, "You know what? Like, I don't mind if we just stop watching this. I'm sorry, you know." And we just moved on to the next thing. I really like. There were some other series that have come out lately that I really like, but that wasn't one of them. Okay, I mean that's understandable. I and I guess to, the, to answer your question about the, I guess the abilities, I for one was was confused at myself. A friend of mine who's way further in. I wasn't confused. I just wasn't informed about what was going on. I was confused, man, because I didn't understand if they were usually if they were actually manifesting the element they were using. And actually, a friend told me uh, that it it is talked about later on in the story, but uh, they are manifesting those abilities. They they are like they and I, and I guess another thing too. And later on in the show, they, they, you don't they do, see him do any of that crap in training. He just can do it when he leaves. It's just like it's not earned. Like when you watch Dragon Ball Z, and I'm I'm not getting making about Dragon Ball Z, but when you watch Dragon Ball Z, you can play in any any move, tell about like when he learned it, who he learned it from, and very often like the journey that he got to get it. And like one That's of the big criticisms, because like Goku could do the command me after seeing Yo- you might supposed to do it one time. There was no, know, there was no journey for that. He did have a big journey and how to manifest any energy whatsoever. Like his first energy beam wasn't wasn't then; it was earlier when he got sent back in time. But, like, or at least I think it was. But, like, you could pretty much tell the story. And one of the big criticisms of Dragon Ball later on was that, and was that like, <sighs> abilities started just happening on their own. Like, when he reads Krillin's mind and you're like, what? Or um, when he just sort of automatically knows Super Saiyan 3 and he's like, I learned it off screen. And uh, and then, like, with some of the blue abilities and stuff like that, and, like, when the new Sans from the other alternate dimension can just do the, the abilities, you know, and they're not earned, and suddenly they're, like, Super Saiyan 2 and, and stuff like that, and it just, pop, I did it, there was a tingle in the back of my spine, it just kind of ruins the backstory a little bit, because, like, they can do something super easy that somebody else couldn't do at all, you know? I mean, so, I like, to, to defend them, because I have I had time to think about that, one of the things people need to remember is that those Saiyans from um from universe whatever universe they're from, mm-hmm. they their their right. history their history is completely different. It's not like it's not like uh in you know in our universe where the Saiyans were enslaved, killed, used stuff like that, and they didn't know about it. And it's the same thing with those Saiyans; they didn't know about it, but because they because they learned about it from another Saiyan, like. If they if they if they were taught exactly how it worked, it's kind of like as I was thing as I was passing knowledge that he didn't have when he first learned to uh to his his protege, he could learn it much faster and it's more believable because he got taught from uh, how to do it. Technically speaking, Goku taught Khalifa how to go Super Saiyan. It's just like she got it really easily. The same thing with Ka- Kaba. 
Vegeta taught Kaba how to go Super Saiyan, and he got it really easily. It just comes down to the fact that Vegeta and Goku had to work to get it. Goku, Vegeta, Gohan had to work, had to, work to get it because they didn't know it existed and how to do it. They kind of manifested it out of nowhere because they didn't know they had the ability to transform. Right. On top of that, like they had like Goku went through a lot of like because he was weak. Goku was pretty weak, so he had to go through a lot of training to even get to that point. Who's to say that those Saiyans weren't already strong to begin with? Because apparently, like apparently, they're good guys in their universe. But yeah, I understand. I mean, like I'm not gonna like I said before. Like there's they explain a lot of things, and I guess like we'll have to agree that maybe the the sword techniques do kind of just come out of nowhere for him. But at the same time. Um, I don't know how you I don't know how you do a training montage with like first we don't know if if they're really manifesting the element to begin with, and then and then second of all, um, uh, like how about where the fuck did this come from? Like we don't he's never taught to use his energy for anything like that at all, and then all of a sudden he can do it. Like all we know is that he can run up and down mountains and crap, and then all of a sudden he's doing water techniques. A lot like, of things get, get explained, introduced later on in the series. They're just kind of getting you involved in the world. And, but you know, it just feels like bad story building. I don't know. It just You didn't have to use water techniques if it wasn't the right time to do them. Well, so far up to that point in the world, the only things that can hurt a demon are those demon slayer swords. Tanjiro could not hurt a demon otherwise. That's why his sister got killed. But, uh... Yeah, I get that. Like... I, I just like I like I, I enjoy the series. I feel like a lot of things get paid off. The, the way they do it, things get paid off really easily. I I enjoy what I watched, and that's why I said I probably just reveal by myself. But as a retrospective, after everything's done and said with, because I'm invested in what they showed in the movie, and I can't wait for season two, so I'm gonna watch that on my own time. But I mean, yeah, like I said, I might give Invincible Invincible a go. I haven't given it a go yet, but like it was, like, it was good. It was good. I say it's not good, but I just don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be interested in it, like, cause not everything is for everybody, and like, based on all the thumbnails I'm seeing, there's a lot of blood in there. I'm like, I mean, I did watch Tokyo Ghoul, I enjoyed that, but it's just, mm-hmm. what's the what's my blood threshold? Like, how much blood do I not have to see before I end up saying that's it, I'm done? So I guess we'll find you know, out. It actually did um, make Jesse cry. Wait, what happened? It did make Jesse cry watching it. What about Castlevania? Would it, would you ever watch Castlevania with me? Uh, I mean, I I would. And and this, I'm just not that interested in Castlevania, which is, I guess, it's a cool story and it gets really good towards the end. I wasn't that I got Netflix again, so I could always watch it. But I'm just saying that. I don't know. Like it's not it's not drawing me to it. Is I think a show would for me, but yeah. because I never watched it, and I don't know anything about it. So I mean, how you does it draw like me it. if I don't know anything no. about it? The only thing that drew me to watch it was I needed something to play in the background while I was doing a bunch of work that was really repetitive, and uh, and then it kind of pulled me in because it was actually a pretty good story. Jesse didn't really want to watch it, but then I showed her some of the later episodes when I was done, and she's like, "Okay, this is actually a pretty good story." So I mean. It, it's just something if you felt like it. it. Did you watch Parasite? Parasite was good. I've told y'all Parasite. That's right. Yeah, I liked Parasite. I've liked every anime you've shown me. Shaman King I've liked the least, but I've liked every anime that you've shown me. I, I have to say I like I like Shaman King. I mean, as I, as I ended here, the reason I even mentioned Shaman King is because I, for me, it's it's reminiscent. I liked the idea a long time ago, back when it was on Four Kids, 
But I only yeah. recently, not recently, like five, two years ago, learned that there was some serious stuff going on with Shaman King, and it didn't get adapted the correct way. So like, I always wanted, to, I always wanted to see. I, at some point, I was gonna go back to read it, but when I found out that they're doing an anime, I was like, they're gonna redo the anime. I was like, okay. And then the creator said that I'm not gonna let them do it unless they adapt it from my story. I was like, okay. And I finally they were actually adapting. I was like, okay. So they're actually gonna do it the right way. They're gonna give the show the shot, the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood treatment, like for it. Instead of calling it Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, they're just gonna call it Shaman King. So it's like, you know, okay, that's that's good. So far, I'm enjoying what I've they, I've seen. Um, the character is all familiar. Uh, apparently, there's a character who uh, that they changed drastically in the original version of the show, and people didn't like it, and they fixed it here. So I uh, I'm actually interested in seeing like what that character is. I think I know who he is because I think I saw an image of him. Um, and ironically, he's black, but uh, I think it's him or not. I don't really know. He hasn't shown up yet either, so. I don't even know what his name is. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out later on, too. But it's funny. I guess that we're going to end it here. We are uh, closing in almost two hours. See you guys next time.